What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain What's up, everyone? Welcome to this special edition of the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. We're here with my man, my friend, shaman, Maestro Hamilton Souther, and we're going to weave together a couple different recordings, thanks to my other good friend, Corey Allen, master sound wizard, and create an experience for all of you. So I hope you enjoy the ride, and I'll see you on the other side. We jumped onto these podcasts and started figuring shit out. And since then, we've been hanging a bunch. Yeah. Been down to sea in Colorado, out to sea in Peru. Amazing ceremonies at Blue Morpho. That was badass. Brought a really close group of people with. And uh, now we've got to be good friends. So this is a different animal here, this podcast. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. One, it's always cool to meet new people, especially ones that 
have their finger on the pulse of something much greater going on. And uh, friendship, I think, really, it's just a super important part of existence. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So, man, I was, um, Whitney was playing something for me right before we went to sleep last night. I don't know why she was inspired to do it. But anyways, it was like this motivational compilation. Had all these gymnastics girls and a bunch of clips from movies. But one struck me, and it said, this guy was saying that it's not our darkness we're afraid of. It's our light. It's we're afraid of the potential of how much power we actually might have. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? There's a fucking lot of wisdom to that. There is a lot of wisdom to that. Darkness, light, whatever you want to say, we know the darkness. Right. It's identified. Yeah. In every possible way. Mapped over, under, through every dimension, form, every mystic tradition, every religious tradition, every spiritual tradition has just mapped that. Mm -hmm. So clearly that's not the issue. Yeah. And it's perpetuated globally in myriads of different forms. And so that's not the issue. Right. And the world just continues right on. Society continues right on. But definitely a question of major suffering. Like there's a lot of pain going on. Like right now as we speak, there's a lot of that. But the light inside, that thing, that's the unknown. Uh-huh. That's, that's what we have unknown. not explored. Mm-hmm. Right? Not the unknown way out there. The unknown deep inside of us. Right? And, yeah. and that's something we haven't explored. And we don't know its potential. But we keep finding that collectively its potential grows. Yeah. It's growing collectively. Our species is growing collectively. Right? New IT is coming out all the time. New inventions. New apps. So it's growing. And we have this capacity to create. But how does that really relate to us individually? Right? Like how do we get that idea that we can truly explore our own unknown and in doing so increase our capacities, increase our performance, increase our light and really increase everything that we already know of is awesome about life. Yeah. I think, you know, I look back to my own personal journey and some of the times that always make me emotional, like bring me straight to tears or when I get clear, you know, like clear, confirmation from the universe that the universe has my back and is helping me you know like those moments are like so humbling that it's like holy shit like the universe whatever that means is fucking they want you know they want to help if my heart's aligned and and the mission's right like they want to help there's no other there's been times where there's there's like no other explanation for how things have gone and at that moment it's like holy shit i'm getting help from forces beyond myself that really want me to and want the world to, you know, come into consciousness, come into their light, come into love. You know, there's these allies and helpers around us that are, and that's, that is a scary thing because then it's like, well, if we have all of this assistance, then what's preventing us from doing it? Maybe, maybe everything is possible. And then that idea makes you look back at your life and say, well, if everything's possible, then why aren't I there now? But then that becomes the, the judge and the demon starting to, starting to offer their own form no of resistance in that path. No doubt. You know? No doubt. Yeah, I, I think when we start to explore the unknown, the very first question we have to ask, and we're talking about the unknown inside of us, not the unknown right. outside of us. So when we're looking at the unknown inside of us, you know, Simply all we want to do is put together the pieces and be able to say, look, if I explore this thing and I open up to the help that is in and around in the totality of this existence, I have to have a way to be able to communicate 
have an interaction with, have an experience of what we're talking about. It can't just be intellectual ideas. It has to be experience. And so we have to have methods in which we can really tap in. You know, so we talk about this universe. We talk about connecting with this universe. Well, we need to have ways that are, that are concrete. Like we know how to drive a car, right? We know how to get in a car and drive the car. We're not going to the car every time going, how do I use this thing? We need to have that same kind of relationship with the universe where we can say, oh, this is how I connect. This is how I communicate. This is how this great universe filled with all of these forces inside us and outside of us can actually be a, a two-way communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's not scary at all because you're just communicating with what's all around you. Right. I think that was one of the major revolutionary messages of Yogananda, right? He was, he was the first to come out and say, oh yeah, God, it lives in your spine. Like that's where God is. Like you want to find it? it's in your spine. In your spine. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, what? Like, you mean I don't need to go to church and talk to the middle guy who talks to the big guy who talks to the really big guy? You know, like, it's not this, like, not like trying to reach the CEO of General Mills. You know, like, that's not how you talk to God. You know, like, there's, he has infinite email answering capability, you know, if we just want to, if we want to go in there and, and access that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that's that, that's the idea. Now, obviously for him, it was about breath and the, you know, alignment of the Priya Yoga thing. So he said spine, we say heart you know, probably more often is our kind of the center where that divine lives, but it's all the same thing. You know, everybody looking outside when you can look inside and find everything that's outside. Yeah. And if you want to look at a, just a, a bridge point, I was looking for many, many years in the other podcast, we talked about this codification of consciousness and this idea of, you know, like what is this medium that allows us to perceive and know that we're perceiving and be alive and know our own identity and stuff like that. And, you know, finally we just looked at consciousness and and just said, look, this is your perception. The medium is there. It's all around you. And we're looking for that bridge point. And the bridge point I came to find is you, you're in your totality, your body, your cells, your being, the fact that you are manifest alive, part of this universe. And it's happening in you and around you right now, as you listen to this, that's the merge point. That's the bridge point. And it brings it all home to our own being. And it leaves us with the question, like, what are we going to do with that? Yeah. There's a, you know, as, as I've started to work with you <clears throat> and we've got to share a lot of ideas, one of the ones that's come across, you know, kind of many times is, you know, I guess the beauty of the temporal nature of this, because there's always that, that nagging question, like, well, why? Why are we bothering to expand consciousness? Why are we, you know, what's the reason to keep pushing? Why not just kind of, ah, fuck it, you know, drink some wine, you know, like just check out and let the thing go along its way. And it always returns to this real kind of, it's like the bloom of a flower. You know, it's like you could just walk right by the flower and not appreciate it and allow it to be and then maybe the flower dies because it hasn't been cared for or you can enjoy it cultivate it and care for it and it's just a choice you know it's like i think people look for these massive like epic movie saga dramas but really it's just a choice it's like hey do you love this thing do you want to keep it going or nah you know, and one is a lot more fulfilling than the other one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you're looking at, at just life itself and you're connecting into your life and you're looking at all of the parts, the first thing I start to look at are cycles because they keep coming back and they keep coming back and they keep, they're just cycling through life. 
And if you have in you one of those that wants to do better at something or you want to improve or you want to learn or you want to grow or you want to do better at your job or you want to fix stuff with your family, like anything that would really be about like what you guys do, total human optimization or total life improvement, you come to a final point where you realize that the change is more important than the fear about changing. And when you keep finding that inside yourself, then you realize, oh wait, I don't, I can't be limited in how I explore this. I cannot be limited in how I ask for this change. I cannot be limited in what I'm going to experience. I have to just open up to all of these different ways and any tool or any piece I can find that can really help make this evolution or change possible. Mm -hmm. And then you find that there's, you know, something deep inside, whether it's just a feeling or whether it's in your heart or whether it's in your spine or it's in your brain, it doesn't really matter because it just keeps coming back and it matters. Yeah. And I don't think it needs to have language what that is because I think if you put 7.3 billion people on the planet and you surveyed them, you'd get a really wide set of definitions if people were honest. Maybe we would get 7.3 billion definitions or reasons or what that burning thing is inside of us. And when we connect to it and we use it as fuel and we learn how to do that, it starts to just turn everything on, you know, and then you feel better and then you think better and then you act in ways that are more in concert with your truth and with your heart. Yeah, the game becomes more fun. You know, I think you can almost simplify it to the very simplest state. If you enjoy life impeccably, like perfect enjoyment of life, you're on the right path. You know, because there's false enjoyments. There's the enjoyments of, you know, whatever substitution you want to do. You know, whether that's, you know, going from sexual encounter to sexual encounter or drugs or drinking or whatever TV or whatever checkout which feels kind of like maybe that could suffice, but it's not a perfect enjoyment. Like a perfect enjoyment is enjoyment of all the quiet times, the still times and the sex. And sure you can enjoy some TV or drugs, whatever you want to do, but it's, it's enjoyment of all of it, all perfect enjoyment. If you're in perfect enjoyment, you know, generally for me, you're going to be helping people because that's what feels good. You're going to be, you know, being someone that's, you know, a light in the world rather than a, than an anchor on that. So if you just focus on perfect enjoyment, I think you'll be on the right path. Yeah. I think perfect enjoyment is a really interesting idea. And if everyone would just humor me for a second, I just want to break it down in, in a way that could help us. Perfect enjoyment. If we start with enjoyment, enjoyment looks at this as an idea that there's things that we enjoy and things that we don't enjoy, which is definitely true. And we know that as a duality, mm -hmm. but then this idea of perfect stands right behind it. And the perfect is a kind of impeccability or a virtue that can really hold that duality within us, right? So it's like, it's not that I'm trying to get 100% of half of the coin. Like yeah. my, my enjoyment, if I get all enjoyment all the time, that's not that idea of perfect enjoyment. This perfect enjoyment is like learning how to enjoy all of it, learning how to enjoy the good with the bad, learning how to enjoy the impulses that are within us and the crazy twisty path that that leads throughout our lives. And there's really no limit to how incredible that that can be. There's no limit to how enjoyable that experience can be. There's no limit to how getting dirty in the mud and just going for it and not being scared and then knowing that there's a shower two or three hours later, you know, so you don't have to be like the mud guy your whole life now, yeah. right? There's, there's 
all these different systems of redemption within us, which has, do not come from outside us. They are allowances within us and permissions and gifts that we give ourselves of freedoms and, and abilities to explore in the medium of our existence. And that medium I think of as literally what we have to play with, which are thoughts and imaginations, activities, experiences, physicalities, sensations. Sure. And there's been like this war on pleasure and this war on exploration and this war on the in like the more in, enjoyable parts of life and at the same time we're being taught that that's what we're that's what we're striving for yet that's what we're not supposed to ultimately get at the end of it or something yeah, and it fun. never adds up in my head it's like go have fun but don't do all the fun stuff go enjoy yourself but don't do anything enjoyable let's talk about laughter but never laugh let's talk about being joyful but never feel it in our hearts and i sit around and i'm thinking like who's not seeing that there's no sweetness in the juice like they took the sweetness out of orange juice it's so fucked you know like (laughs) like the way that we handle let's look at one of these great pleasures look at sex right and like the way that the way that these desert religions have decided to kind of use that as a tool to control and manipulate and create guilt and this whole thing is just so fucked, you know? And then you read something like Aldous Huxley's Island or Starhawk's Fifth Sacred Thing or go back to the kind of tantric practices in India, they're like, oh, there's this really pleasurable thing. So let's make it even more pleasurable, extend it, make it so that we're not constantly addicted to it, but that we can utilize it as a tool in our arsenal to enjoy this experience even better. But instead, now it's all barbed with guilt and and all of these different issues. I think, you know, like William Blake has a bunch of really cool poems about, you know, about pleasure that's kind of bound in these thorns, you know, and that's really what's happened is we put thorns around all these pleasure, all these these pleasurable plant medicines are now dr- illegal drugs and these, you know, these, the, the sexual pleasure is now going to get you to hell, to hell. What? Shut up. Define the medicine world from the center of your heart to infinity, however that's shaped the totality of the universe right now. Connected from the center of the heart and through the entire body, we are connected to the entire universe around us. inside our hearts, regardless of how we're identified, doesn't matter how 
even we think about ourselves, just the love that's inside and the infinity that's all around. inside this medicine world and it's a world of forces, a world of spirit. Physical, concrete, actual and real, as well as etheric, light, totality. Our bodies are found inside it. Our bodies are made of it. Space being a sanctuary for our own being, however we experience them, where we can know our own honesty and have the safety for our own truth. balanced and neutral within us, having known the forces, having felt the forces. start with some some basics and you know to not criticize kind of where it all came from too hard but allow there to be at least a little bit of a criticism when we were born we didn't know any of this stuff and we had not been ensconced and absorbed all of these ideas and and ways that we've been limited throughout our lives it wasn't like that we were born exploring the totality of life and starting to figure it all out and it was right around us and it was all incredibly interesting and then over time, all of a sudden, you learn no, 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 bad, 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 no, 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 bad, 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 and then it just gets gobbledygook in our brains. Yeah, 
That's how I see it. Doesn't I don't see sense. it as anything else. It just doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's not rational, and it's not reasonable. First of all, you're born with genitals. Right. Born with them. Like, hello, you're born with them. Yeah, it's like, not, it's fabricated not, by the it's universe. It's not like you had, to kill, you, had to, you had to kill some innocent thing no, to steal their genitals. No. And that's why you're getting pleasure. No, Look at them then, getting pleasure because they killed that bunny and ate its heart. And they're, like, they're no. all tied in to a process of excretion, which, you know, in most cases, usually associated with this idea of urination. It's so it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, irritable bladder, maybe twenty times a day, you're like directly dealing with that and acting like that's not what it is. Yeah. Acting like those are not really our genitals. Like that's not really part of this physical body that makes up my existence here on earth. And I just think that that if we can't use reason to look at the absurd and start to cut the fat on all the stuff that we know just doesn't add up and make sense, then we're not allowing ourselves our most trained and best tool to just understand our immediate experience and environment. Like allow yourself thoughts. And that's right up there with that whole idea of sex and with the whole idea of these philosophies. There's all of this control over what your brain's doing. Like as if your brain's doing something that's terrible. It's not what your brain doing. Your brain shoots light through it. Yeah. Literally, it shoots light through it. Literally light. We burn glucose in our brain and we turn it into light and we shoot that through our brain and then the content of that gets convoluted and conflicted and whatever and we, we buy into all of these stories and until we allow ourselves the freedom to be able to have a rational thought inside our mind and then apply it to our own life, we're only ever going to be stuck within the forces of you know, good and evil and right and wrong that other people have told us. And we'll never know it in our hearts. We'll never know it in our soul. We'll never know it in our being, you know, and, and it's not to say now everybody go get in a car and go redline your motors. It's not like that. It's like, it's like be responsible at the same time. Use the totality of your awareness to guide you in your experience. It's not just one or the other. It's all of it. It's, it's your, your brains in your head and it's your intellect and your heart's in your center of your body. And it's where we have love and you have all this creativity down in your genitals. And then we act like they're never supposed to be linked. And some guy like Buddha from, you know, however many thousands of years ago is the guy who's allowed to have that all synced and nobody else is allowed to have that all synced. Right. It's like, why does that guy get to have it all synced? But the other 7.3 billion alive today don't get to have it all synced. So you get to have your brain doing one thing with your heart doing a whole nother thing. And, you know, the lower part of your body is in a whole nother paradigm and, and then not be allowed to have it make sense. Well, no, I think it makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. But it takes some courage to look at it outside the box. You yeah. know, people deny their own. And again, it goes back to what we started at the, at the beginning. People are in denial of their own possibility, their birthright, their power. You know, we all have the ability to do that. You, list, you look at what the actual teachings of Buddha or Christ are, and they're not saying, you'll never be like me, nah, 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 nah. You know, that's not their fucking game. <laughs> the, the one-off clothing. Yeah, yeah, they're like, look at me, you suck, fuck you. That's not their game. They're like, all of you can do this. Like, I'm no different than any of you. So do you want to do this or not? And then people are like, you're the master. You're the master. Like, no, you can do it too. You can do it too. You can do it too. And, but people just, they don't, they don't want to accept that. They're they're They turn, you know, right at that moment, they turn away from the light. Yeah. But I think like right there, we have a problem of worship 
and an idea that we want to put onto somebody the stuff that we don't yet have and think that they're awesome, whether it be mystical, like a guy like Buddha or Christ, or whether it be, uh, you know, just wealth or whatever, just sure. straight money, whatever. You're looking at that guy, and I think right there for anybody, it's just to start to say, I'm that guy. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I haven't become that guy in all the different expressions yet, but I'm, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who can now go into this world and start to make the things in, in, in my world happen because that, that's just who I am. That's what I do every day. Every single person in this world is going around and actually making things happen. And that's what the mystics did too. And so it's like, give yourself the freedom. Let, let yourself be a person who is becoming. Let yourself be a person who's growing. Recognize that we have certain limitations today only because those limitations are are something we have not learned beyond yet. Imagine when you were a baby how many limitations there were. You didn't know how to drive a car. You didn't know how to go in an airplane and fly. You were carried around by your mother. You didn't know how to feed yourself, right? And now you're cruising through life and you have this huge knowledge base, but that's not the end of it. School didn't educate us for life. School educated us for like 5% of life. And an important 5%, but beyond that, there's this life, this existence, this time. And it's, it's, it's totally rational, physical in here. It's the table, it's your body, it's my body, it's the sound. But it's also this whole planet, and it's, it's the global economic systems, it's the global political systems, and it's vast, and it's immense, and it allows for our movement. And, and when we identify with that, like when you sit and you look in the mirror in the morning, you just brush your teeth, and... And you look yourself really in the eyes and you say, like, who am I today? And it's like, today I'm the guy who's going to go have this day. Like, this is my day today. The key thing that what you're talking about, there is one prerequisite, I think. And that prerequisite is that you have to have enough stillness to just be conscious for a moment. You know, at, at, you know I know we're all going to get caught up in momentum, but just have that moment where you're not compelled by momentum that's, you know, been carrying through these thought cycles and these patterns that you get stuck in. Like anybody who I see who can, for that moment, you can just in stillness have a moment where you can tell like, oh, momentum stopped. The, the personal power of that individual is unlimited. Like once you access that, everything else opens up. But that's the first step because I do run into people who they just can't stop the hamster wheel long enough to make a turn. Yeah. You know, like, like the first thing is like, you got to fucking stop the hamster wheel. And then other things will, will exacerbate that. Like they'll start drinking or they'll, you know, they'll do something else. And it's like, whoa, the fucking hamster wheel, the fucking gears are flying up. Pew, 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 pew. Totally. And they're just chugging. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find yeah. that stillness. I call that being in reaction to life. Right. Where, where life is happening. And so you're reacting and life is happening. And you're reacting. And you never meet it straight up. Alberto, one of my teachers in Peru, had this incredible way of looking at it. He looked at it as stop. Like that was it, just stop. Like when people would come to him and be like, la, 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 you'd just be like, stop. <laughs> just stop. And they didn't understand that it was literally that easy. It was literally just stop. Like stop what you're doing. Just stop right, right in that moment. And then begin again. But if you stop, like you're saying, then you have a moment of, of real lucidity and real sobriety to be able to enact a change. And, you know, we act like this medium around us, this air, these walls and all of that aren't changeable. But right before the podcast, we were talking about how this space is being changed and evolving and growing. It's all changeable. It's all this incredible medium if we know how to connect with it. And the more we know how to connect with it and the more we know how to connect with each other, the more 
truly moldable the entire medium becomes. And we act like life is beyond us just inert. Like we're not connected to it, but we are connected to it. You're made of the same stuff. Yeah. You're made of cells. Like, like last night at the session that we were doing, we're deep in trance. And I just said to everybody, like, how often in your day do you recognize that you're 60 trillion or 70 trillion cells all working together to be able to have a bad attitude then in that moment? Or being able to be in the hamster wheel. You're 70 trillion cells hamster wheeling all at the same time. Yeah. And then we wonder why things get, get like, you know, progression into the future of the same shit over and over and over again. And it's like, look, we have to actually intend something. We have to engage this in a way where we can create an intention to change, whether it be something about our bodies or something about our mind or something about our emotions or whatever. If we don't have that capacity to be able to say, this is our change, this is how we're going to do it, then we're lost. And so I combine that with what Alberto said, just stop, like what you're saying, just stop it. Like in that moment when you recognize you're getting out of control, stop. But what I find is that people in that, in the hamster wheel are just completely inundated by like the 3D movie that's going on all around them. Mm. And to be able to stop, it requires accessing a different kind of perspective. And then the question becomes, well, how can we access that perspective? Like last night I was saying to people like, Hey, what's happening is that light is shooting through your brain in a pattern that is no longer under your dominion. Like you as an individual being are now the recipient of what your brain's doing, just like you're the recipient of the brainstem making your heart beat or running your lymphatic system. You are now the recipient of this brain that's just shooting light like crazy and patterns that have you in a state of fear, anxiety, or panic, like all the time. And that's the perspective that I use to jump out of it. I go straight to the anatomical. I just go like, what is this thing? It's a brain. What's happening inside of it? Light shooting through it. Is that measurable and empirical? Absolutely. And is that me, the essential me? And the answer is no. Absolutely not. This brain, these emotions, these things, these are, are, yeah, they're a part of who you are. Texture, it's color. But they're not you. And I think that's one of the great wisdoms of your teachings is finding you. And you go straight nine layers deep into the heart. And that's where you say, okay, you want to put to the point where you are? All right, go there. Like not in the brain, not in the middle of your head that's shooting light and getting emotional and all this shit. Identify with your heart and then appreciate and love everything else. Oh yeah, I got this cool brain that does cool things. We make words, we make, we create shit, we do stuff. But the essential me is somewhere else. And then it takes so much of that fear away. I think it takes all the fear away. I think when we know what the universe is and what we are and that we are part of that universe and as we start to explore more into the unknown... What we find is that that's where all the awesome is. Yeah. All of it. All of the great awesome is in the, the willingness to just step into the unknown. And the way it looks to me, like collectively on the planet right now, is just a very, you know, preschool to kindergarten version. There's just so much fear of stepping into that, even though we have example after example of what happens. Like, you can be scared of, you know, talking to that cute girl or that hot girl across the the way and you're sitting there or the or vice versa you're the girl looking at the guy and you're sitting there telling yourself a story in your head telling yourself a story in your head about why that that could never happen for you yeah instead of just walking up to that person and saying hi like you're a person and i'm a person and we may get along just fine or not or whatever but we're already telling it we're already shaping it the brain plays weird 
perspective games with your emotions and oh, ego. It's like totally this doesn't this reject. Let's say it is a rejection. Let's say it's a brutal rejection. Let's say you go up to this girl and she says, "You're so ugly. I you make me want to vomit every meal I've ever eaten. You're that ugly. You repulse me." Right? <laughs> like in the grand perspective of things, when you've like seen the light world, you're like. That doesn't fucking matter. It does not it matter. It doesn't matter. One person's doesn't perspective matter. doesn't matter. So A million people's it. perspectives doesn't matter. There's one thing that I see that we're missing in this society more than anything, and it really is rite of passage. It's where you finally decide that you're you, and you just say, fuck it. You say, look, look, I got born into this. Yeah. This is who I am. Like, And if this world can't handle that, then I have to make a choice between the being I am and the world that can't handle me. And I think you have to choose the being you are because you're never going to be the world that can't handle you. Yeah. You can try and reshape yourself a billion times, but there will always be you inside going, hey, that's not me. You're just playing a role. Mm-hmm. You're just acting like some way that you really don't care about. It's not really in your soul. It's not really in your heart. That is not perfect enjoyment when you're that not being yourself. That is not perfect enjoyment when you're not being yourself. And and that's a simple organizational method, right? It's just really simple. It's a change in organization. It says, hey, I want to hang out with people that get along with me, not yeah. people who don't get along with me. And I want my friends to be people who like me, not people who don't like me. Yeah. People who will let me be weird. People who will let me be crazy with my imagination. People who let me say stupid stuff just for the sake of it. People who will let us try new things just for fun. Like to have that creativity again. And, you know, that's who we really are. It's a make it or break it point with the universe. And tribal societies knew it. And they used sacred plants to be able to make that happen because they knew how to concoct these magical essences of three, four, five, like crazy timelines all coming together, like puberty and sexuality and adulthood and the need to be able to provide and be educated all in one. And they would bring it together with these tremendous ceremonies and rituals that would create these rites of passage where somebody could say, now I really know who I am at 13, at 14, at 15, not at 65 Mm -hmm. or death, like, like cancer in the bed dying. Oh, now I find myself and I love my family. Have you ever thought about organizing a rite of passage kind of tour at Blue Morpho? Just straight up, like this is what the agenda is. It's rite of passage. Yeah, we've talked about it. I mean, we've talked about lots of different things. The hardest thing with Blue Morpho in Peru and Ayahuasca is the industry around it and the idea of what people are thinking they're supposed to be coming for. Well, which is totally limited. And so I mean, I think this right now opens up a a, a great idea to understand that these are tools like ayahuasca is a tool. It is a tremendous teacher plant, but it's not something that we go to where we give our autonomy away and we give our soul away and we give our being away and say, oh, now you run my life. That would be completely crazy. It's like, no, I'm going to this tool and I'm asking this tool for something. And if it's within the tool's capacity to give it, it can provide it. Sure. And so a rite of passage, absolutely. And I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I'd be really interested in doing some of that because that's something that I've really latched onto for a long time is because there's this nebulous there's this nebulous transition between I'm a boy, oh I'm a almost a man, teen, oh now I'm a man. Oh fuck, now I'm a father. Fuck, fuck. 
Oh, now I'm a husband. Fuck. Like what? Like what the hell? When yeah, did this where, happen? Where did the preparation happen? I know? did not in two plus two is four mathematics learn how to be right. a husband. Like, and a lot of sociologists are saying that that's a lot of people's drive to join the military or get in a gang or these different. You, we try to find these external rites of passage because there's nothing being provided by our society, and then a lot of people just don't have it, and they're they're in this weird state. I think that's a crucial thing to add. And ayahuasca, I think to me is a great you know is a great example of something that could be very powerful is that because you gotta fucking ante up and pony up and and you're gonna you're gonna face you are the one trick pony yeah, ponying you're gonna, up with Aya yeah you're gonna face some shit <laughs> yeah and that's what a ride of passage is it's and that's like, what I liked fear, about it here's fear and here's me choosing to go through that fear to the other side I know
decided just to continue doing that. But the very first time was the scariest experience of my life, bar none. Like, for the first five hours, I would say, I swore that I was going to die and I was never going to do it again. And in the last hour of it, or, or half hour of it, it was the most glorious, redeeming, incredible experience I had ever had. And it left me with a, a, an understanding and an awe that I had never had before in life. Because when I looked at life before that, I thought I could n- learn anything. Maybe not really well, but I could at least learn it. And when I did that with that, I was like, there's no way you could learn this. Like, what is this? This is so beyond. It's such a pony up. It was right. so big. Like I was like I was like applesauce, you know. I was so so just just melted into the ground, could not move. Like it had humbled me in so many different ways, and it let me know that that it wasn't going to harm me in any kind of way. In fact, it was there for me the whole time. But that you had to come ready to to look at whatever whatever would show up inside, and that that to me is a rite of passage. When yeah. you're willing to show up, then it then it begins. Yeah, you know, and I think another part of that rite of passage thing we talk about it all the time. Although I think it gets lip service, and it it still kind of sucks is this idea of community. And what a rite of passage in a tribe is to become a member of the community. You are now it's a sacrifice a, of your own self interest for the greater whole. For the greater whole, and that that is a very important piece of it. And to understand that we live in a society now that is not tribal. It is. It's it's click based. It's a little different. It's like these groups oscillating around, these groups of atoms all running around together, and then they run into other groups and stuff like that. But but it's we need to a have reco- a connection. It's just a recapitulation of tribalism, though. Yeah, and, and but it's, but, but it's, in a, it's a weird it's, way. It's a weird thing, is what I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And so we just need to have an element to to understand how to then truly be part of something to feel like we're not just identified with it but we're actually part of it and that's what I call mission I don't see like we don't have tribe providing one mission anymore we have across the United States today as we're talking there's uh, there's trillions of missions going on a mission of a company to grow a mission of you know helping feed homeless or the mission of new new creation or whatever there's all of these missions and I think that's what we really get behind because that's that that place that's propelling you and pushing you forward in life and moving through time where you feel engaged and you know you're doing something that has meaning for you and that you're finding the community of the other people out there that it has meaning for too. Mission is so paramount and that's something I talk about in my upcoming book a lot. I mean, that's your fucking guide star. That's the Southern Cross. That's the North Star. If you don't say, hey, we're going that way. You know, if Christopher Columbus was like, I mean, he was kind of a dick, but whatever. I was the first explorer that came to mind. If he was like, hey, we're gonna fucking sail around. Anybody want to come? Be like, fuck you. No. No. He's like, no, no, no. Listen, there's land. (laughs) If we keep going straight that direction, I'm telling you there's land. And like, that was his mission. He's like, that's it. We're going that way and there's land. And then people are like, you're crazy, but I like it. You know, you know? But otherwise, he would totally. be like, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go out in the middle of the ocean, 
and uh, we're just going to have oars on one side of the boat, and we're going to row and make circles. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, who's going to join that guy? You know, like, you have no idea where the fuck you're going. You're just going to run out of resources. You're just going to get tired. Yeah. You know, like, you have to have a mission first. That is your guide star. When everything else is confusing, you go, oh, yeah, that way. Is everything I'm doing going that way? No, fuck, I'm going the wrong way. I'm, I'm not, I don't have the fuel to get that way, so i got to do some other things, some little side missions and in order to get there, but you gotta have that mission. And if you don't have a specific mission, you know, here's a good surrogate for the good of all. Just put that, put that as a fucking placeholder there. That's a great one. You know, para el bien de todos. Para put el that bien de todos. as a placeholder, and you'll be all right. Absolutely, mission is key. It's it's key. Where are we going with this? What are we really doing with it? Why are we alive? It's a simple question. And it burns inside, you know, the deepest recesses and crevices of our being, like. What are we really doing? Why are we doing it? Where are we going? And it all gets answered in mission. And then people get caught up in the specifics. Like, I have to know specifically. And what I love about para el bien de todos or for the good of all is that it has no specific in it. Yeah. It doesn't say, oh, and now it must be described as. It's just like, look, as you're on this earth walk, you're moving around, you're driving a car, have it benefit people along the way as well. Have it yeah. benefit everybody. Why not allow for that to happen? And you are part of the all. You're included. You have a right to your own happiness just as you're trying to increase the happiness of others. Absolutely. Why not? I mean, that, that's the, the key element of it. If you're going to create suffering for yourself in trying to help other people, how is that going to end up creating a, a, a system that grows, right? You're harming yourself to help others doesn't work. It needs to work in a way where everybody's being benefited at the same time, especially yourself. And in fact, it starts with yourself because you're the one doing it. Yeah. Right. If you're not able to show up and and bring it, then you know, then then that mission is suffering in that way, and so it gives you ability, kind of along that line of rite of passage, to be able to find depths within you that you didn't know before. When the going gets tough, to not not cave, and that was one of the great teachings of Alberto as well, was to never quit. Once you knew that mission, it was just keep going. Keep. It doesn't matter what gets slung at you. It doesn't matter what tries to block you. Just keep going. It's it's working. You're just working through the stuff. You're working through your side of it. When people sling mud on you, you know, it doesn't mean let them, right? Throw up a shield if you have one. But otherwise, if it hits you with a little shrapnel of mud or whatever with some slinging that people are doing and it triggers you in some way, know that it's not going to trigger you that same way the next time because you're it's doing make, something about it. It's making you stronger. It. It's, yeah. it's a process of tempering. Exactly. How do you fucking make strong steel? Well, you put it in a hot fire and you hammer the <laughs> shit out of it. That's how you make strong steel, you know? And if you break, guess what? All right, you go back and fucking put that same broken piece onto the steel again. You add more heat and you hammer it again. You hammer it again. And that's, how, and that's how we're made. That's how we're forged. It is how we're forged. I think, look, this world's a competitive system. It is a competitive system no matter how you look at it. So it's not just all angels and butterflies. It gets really gnarly out there. And so if you want to play and you really want to do well in your life, you got to be up for that. you got to know that that's part of the game. And everybody who's standing in different roles within this whole experience of society and, and groupings and tribes and collectives that are really moving and really doing something, they've all felt it. They've all been stung. They've all been kicked in the balls as hard as you could possibly imagine. And what separates them is the idea that they're willing to just step up and keep going. They, they get up. They retrain. They retool. They're willing to be fallible. They're willing to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Every successful person I know has been kicked so hard a couple of times that when you look at them and you ask them, have you felt the sting? It shows in their eyes. Yeah. Like they have tasted some life that just is, is 
crippling their brain in some ways and that that is important and not to be shied away from. I do not understand where we got this idea that life lost its edge. Are you kidding? Life was edgy the whole time. It's, it's moving matter. How could it not be edgy? We move yeah. at extreme velocities. We've got to accept that. We've got to accept this idea of impermanence and constant change and, and be down with it and then know that that's driving the mission. Yeah. Know that that's driving your soul forward. Know that that's driving your heart. And when you get more pieces of you behind the direction you're heading, it just accelerates faster and faster and faster. And that's part of, I, I think, what our process is here. It's adding more pieces to ourselves. This is the place where we get to really evolve and grow. This is the place where free will is the most active here now, right? So right here on to, Earth. We're accumulating more of that force or giving it away or letting it fritter off, fritter off. you know, every, every day, year, month, whatever, that's part of the process. We're either gathering more momentum or we're just allowing some to, you know, get eroded by time. Yeah. And someone could say, you know, I really agree. I really agree with all of this and it sounds great and everything like that. But how do I get me some, like, where do I find this mission within me? What do I have to do to do it? And you know, I think one thing we've been batting around and we keep coming back to is truth. You find it in your truth. You find it deep in your heart. You can do it standing in a shower. It doesn't require a specific methodology. If you feel so blocked and life has gotten so convoluted over you and so many layers of the onion and blah, 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 you need to truly break free. There are now so many different ways to be able to do that from float tanks to... You know, different kind of sacred plant experiences, shamanic and stuff breathing. Like that. Shamanic breathing. Some of them require substances, which really are molecules. Funny enough, I mean, like when people talk about the sacred plants, it's a combination of all of these molecules that trigger this incredible response. There's all of these different ways to to be able to have that moment or or call for that moment. And if you're open to it, you're going to find it deep in your heart, inside your very own truth. It was there all the time. You're just uncovering it. You find it like a little gemstone deep inside and then you know it. And once that awareness goes up into your brain, it just links the two in a direction between your heart and a brain. And you'll feel like you've just doubled or tripled your capacity. Yeah. And that's, and that's when it goes, that's when it goes well. And I think we got to throw the caveat out there because, you know, if you're in the wrong situation with the wrong people, it doesn't always go well. You know, and that's that's the other thing about these about these tools. Now, obviously, floating has a very low risk of it not going well. Maybe someone jerked off in your tank and the cleaner was broken. <laughs> I, I, that's always possible, right? But but like you can you can soak in semen and get out and you'll be pretty fine after. It's a little nasty, you know. But if you go if you go to someone who's practicing Aya the wrong way, it's a little sketchier than soaking in semen. Okay. You know, I would choose. A the semen bath any day over the bad eye, the bad eye bath. Well, I, I think that they're identical. Only one is on the outside <laughs> of your skin and the other one is like deep in the molecular recesses right. of your entire body. Right. And so you're just, you, you literally have more skin in the game in the ayahuasca. <laughs> and so I think in that regard, you need to be very choosy and, know what you're doing, right? There's all these ideas out there about these sacred plants. And look, there's a, there's a million different ideas about what's the best and what's this and what's that. And the reason why there are thousands and millions of ideas about that now is because that's how many people have participated and they've all come up with their own story and their own attitude about it. What people need to find is a place where they're going to be safe, where it's professional, 
where it's well cared for, well, where it's within their budget, and that they know that the people there are practicing a, a practice that in its simplest form are just there to fulfill your intention. Yeah. Right? It doesn't really matter as much what they're about as long as they're there to be about you. And if they're about you, then then you know they're practicing a kind of practice where your intentions can be fulfilled. Yeah. And that's what's really, really important. And any of the sacred plants, you know, you're you're using plants to alter the nature of your brain chemistry over an acute period of time. You want everything about that to work well. You think like, why do you think like like chips, like, you know, for computers are in these incredibly constructed environments so that no dust gets on it during that time that it, you know, it all is like manufactured perfectly. We're talking about making a psychological energetic shift in somebody. When we talk about using these plants for, for personal growth, passage, of rite of passage, awakening. If you can get as many of those variables around you to be supportive of that, you have an exponentially higher success rate. Yeah. And there's a lot of difference between just, you know, plop it on the ground somewhere in the jungle because you think it's authentic, getting eaten by a million mosquitoes, which I know you probably doesn't like. <laughs> Fuck that. You know, I mean, think about it. Like, you're in an environment, you come from the States where you have, like, air conditioning and mosquito screening, and now you're in the jungle, and you're sitting there wide open, and during your five hours of the greatest self-realization you've ever had, you're, you're going to be bitten by, like, 100,000 mosquitoes. It does not sound fun. Like, that's not a one-off experience in life. And so I've yeah. always thought, like, you know, find find a place where you can be really comfortable and and have the environment be really conducive to your your success for your reasons for going to these plants in the first place. I think there's this romantic ideal of like what the authentic experience is, you know, like this kind of dances with wolves. I'm accepted as one. I've gone to the jungle. The mosquitoes have drank my blood with everybody else. But really, you want you want the plants administered as the minimum effective dose. Minimum effective minimum dose. effective dose with the cleanest application possible. That's what you're looking for, and I get it. You know, I like I appreciate paying respect to the home of the plant itself. You know, like where that plant Absolutely. came from. You know, the jungle has its own kind of magic. But at the end, way more important than that is minimum effective dose, good medicine, and a clean application, and then good post-operative care. Yeah, and I, I agree with all of those things. The example I use is like cars, the very first cars, Model Ts and stuff like that, like that's authentic driving. <laughs> Today's day and age, Teslas, Audis, that's not authentic driving. That's highly manufactured, trillions of dollars of resources perfecting an art. Right. Making it safer and safer and more enjoyable and faster and better for everybody. And I just think the same thing works. You have the guys who discovered it. The tribal arts that are being practiced today are not being practiced the same way that they were practiced 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago when they were first discovered. It has all been evolving. The tribes evolved. The people are evolved. The lineages evolved. Like, do you want to do everything the way your parents did? Right? That's what, that's what it's like. And in, in a tribe with these traditions... A father is passing them on to the son. The son wants to do it his way. He doesn't want to do it only the way the dad did it. Right. So he's using his creativity and it's expanding. And so I think that movement and that expansion is what's really authentic. I think what really authentic is the innovation and the willingness to push the boundaries on a system to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah. You know, to be able to have it be translatable to people all around the world is uh, an innovation that is, I think, tremendous for sacred plants because otherwise you only know them in the context of the tribe and the context of their culture 
which is not going to help you in the context of your tribe, in the context of your culture back home, because they're two totally different things.
also, I think there's, you know, and I've experienced this a lot. There's this, this kind of feeling like you need to suffer, you know, and I think some of these medicines are largely ordeal poisoning, you know, is really what you're, what you're doing yourself. Like Cambo, for example, I'm fairly convinced that the most like really one of the main things going on there is I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Maybe some properties, but it's ordeal poisoning. It's something so horrible <laughs> that at the other side, you feel amazing. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I didn't fucking feel amazing. I just felt like something horrible happened. But I mean, I think that's a lot of part of the idea. And I think part of, you know, some, they want to atone for their sins. They have this voice that's saying, you need to be punished for the way that you've been. So wretch all of that and be suffer, be miserable, you know, pay for your sins and suffering. Fuck that. You know, get that idea out of that. Atone for your sins with love and happiness and fucking enjoying the shit out of life. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I do not see any reason to suffer. Suffering is what got us into this mess in the first place. And then I go to the example, are you going to kick a baby? Are you going to kick a baby because it dropped its pacifier? You just go kick it. Like, it's hurting in that moment. Like, it stubs its toe. So instead of, like, saying it's a boo-boo and it's going to be okay, you just start kicking it. Like, that's what we do to ourselves. All the time. All the time. We start taking our mind. You're so stupid. You're this. Why'd you do that? That was so stupid to say that. We get all down on ourselves. We get all this insecurity. And we're children of this universe, literally. The universe, however many... Years, it's old. Science is saying, you know, over 46 billion light years. It's pretty old. Us, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, three, four, five decades, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You're like, wow, someone made it to 100 in comparison to the whole universe. I think we're like children of this universe and we're learning about it in every single moment. And that we have to give ourselves that compassion first. It's like, why kick ourselves when we're down? It makes no sense. Give yourself love. I mean, like what you, what you wrap a, a, a child in a blanket and you make them feel better and you tell them it's going to be okay, but it's going to take some time for the pain to stop. And then they just chill out with it. Right. Yeah. You know, that voice, that voice in our head is so savage. And I think one, you know, one of the things that I've been tracking also in this book is that the most challenging part is feeling that you deserve to change, that you deserve something better. Cause there's so many voices in our head that say, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. They want to continue punishing for these made up societally enforced, what the Toltecs called the metote, the dream of the world that has said, you're not worthy. I love you only when, and you haven't done that. So you're not worthy of love. This whole fucking concept is, you know, the very first thing is be like, yeah, fuck yeah. I deserve that. I'm yeah. Like I said, we're all babies here. Babies are going to drop their pacifiers. They're going to shit their pants. Like it happens. It happens. It happens. It's it just happens. part. It happens to all of us, you know. And I think it's almost easier to do that with other people than ourselves. But it is a really cool gift when you when you're able to do that with somebody else because that's hard too. Not judging somebody else. And I remember I was with uh, my great friend and brother. He's been on this podcast, Parangi, and he looked at me one day and he said, "You know what, Aubrey? You're." always forgiven no matter what happens from here on out you are always forgiven and i was like man that is a fucking cool thing to tell somebody because then it just takes the pressure off it you're pre-forgiven 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 i love that idea whatever else that comes up you're pre-forgiven yeah and if you're pre-forgiven then then 
it allows you to start looking at it in a way people would be scared. They'd be like, if I'm pre-forgiven, does that mean now I'm going to fly off the handle and get all crazy? It's like, no, when you're pre-forgiven, it's like, you're going to have this expansion within you. That's going to take at least 50% of all the reasons you would do crazy stuff in the first place away. Yeah. Right. 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 Like it's the exact opposite of that fear. It's like, Oh, I'm not fighting that ghost inside of me anymore. I'm not fighting that, that voice of my father inside of me. I'm not fighting the judge inside of me. I'm not, you know, fighting the control of my mother inside of me. I'm not fighting it. What happened in my past. I'm not fighting the ex-girlfriends. I'm not fighting the jobs that didn't work out. I'm not fighting any of it. It's like, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven for everything I did already. And that just creates an expansion and an openness and Let's just give ourselves that. Yeah. I mean, somehow we got it in our head that the only thing that can control us is the stick. Like that's, and it's just a crazy concept. Like that's the only way that you can, you know, that you can control the animal is with threat of threat of violence or punishment or, you know, and it's, it's all right. That's the very crudest method of being able to control any animal. But, you know, the far better method is is, you know, all right, yes, there have to be boundaries perhaps in some of the, some animals, but nonetheless, it's through love. Yeah. Like, and it's just the most powerful force. Yeah. I did not understand the cattle prod personally. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why we've, we've bought into that idea. I mean, I know, I know why I know the mechanism, right? Cause we are beings that learn in repetition. And so when it's over and over and over and over and over and over pretty soon, even if you didn't think it was a good idea when you start, way many years down the road you've forgotten that you ever thought it wasn't a good idea and you get transformed over time like that's the mechanism of how how we end up buying into it but we know as a kid it didn't make sense and we know in our heart it sucks and we know the pain is not helping in any way for the notion of moving beyond anything and we've already figured out that these cycles repeat themselves and so if we keep beating people we're just going to have people continue beating people yeah it doesn't stop any any other way like we go back to stop like like stop. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing is like, we're already hardwired to be able to connect with another person's suffering. We have mirror neurons. It's proven that when we see someone suffering, those same things trigger in our head. Like, so, you know, this idea that starts with, you know, parenting and society and everything, when you overstep that, you know, like all you have to do is show an individual like, Hey, what you did like hurt me. And be hurt if it really hurt you. Yeah. Like, and then, honest. and then at honest, like that hurt. And then at that point, that person is going to be like, oh, fuck, I feel you. That hurt. I don't want to do that again. But then you overstep that and you lash out and you start hurting them to get back, you know, and then it just creates this additional cycle where you're not tapping in, you know, empathetically with anybody. Right. It's just this, you know, Hatfield McCoy's type of emotional poisoning game. Who wants to feel out there, right? Like we've been taught that that's a no bueno thing to do. We've been taught feeling is only going to be miserable. And I think the reason why we've been taught that is because we weren't taught to feel. If we were taught to feel, we wouldn't have all these feelings built up in like the, you know, public storage version of our inner beings. We would have felt it all and then we would be able to move on from it. Yeah. But what I, when I hear you talking about that, what I see is this mechanism that like we're very complex. So somebody does something that in your way hurts you, like you experience it as hurt, but they might not even have been intending that. But in that hurt, you separate from that person. 
Mm-hmm. You're like, fuck that person. That person hurt me mm-hmm. right in that moment. Like mm-hmm. bam. And that triggers now the attack. Well, now you're the, the aggressor and now you've hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Now that person who just hurt you is hurt too. Now you got two hurt people, yeah. right? Now, how do two hurt people figure out how to now not be hurt? Because now the person usually changes it and lashes out. Not the same thing. Now they lash out in response to the second lash. The one that, yeah. that came from the first recipient that got hurt, right? And then, then they lash back. And then it escalates to another that had nothing to do with the thing that got started with. Yeah. Right? It just keeps growing, 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 growing. This mechanism of greater and greater pain and suffering and reinforcing it. That's what has to be stopped. And when you come forward and you say that and you say like, hey, you know, I'm communicating with you. I would normally be separated by this, but I'm not, I'm feeling it. And I'm just letting you know that I'm feeling it. That creates a connection. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's now an ability between two people to resolve that. And I just look at it as like basic conflict resolution. It's way easier to fix one problem. If you've added from the initial problem, 500 other problems now you have 500 to fix. Yeah. And that's just a lot harder to do. And that's something that I think is pure intention. Like you just recognize the faster you get on on that stuff and just communicate it and get it done and out of the way, even if it's uncomfortable, the less there's going to be to do down the road. And it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge. Once those things, you see it in relationships so many times, you know, there's just resentments piled on resentments, piled on resentments, you know, and anytime things get in those turbulent waters, people are bringing up old shit, lobbing old wounds, like taking poison from these little, you know, pain bodies, as Eckhart Tolle would say, and, and just passing them back and forth like crazy, you know, and, and when you, when you're in that cycle, you have to, again, stop, just stop, just stop Stop and then do whatever's necessary to get back to balance. Maybe that's separating each of you fucking go on your own little retreat or just a week at the beach by yourself and really think about it and connect with why you love each other. Or maybe you go take some really good MDMA and fucking look at each other's eyes for six hours, you know, and figure it out that way. I don't know. I mean, I mean, whatever it takes for you to go do it, you know, or maybe you just stop and maybe you just talk or maybe you do whatever, but you have to get back to that. All right. Where's, where's, where's the even ground? You know, where are we at? Let's just, yeah. And I, I think an, a key honest moment in the middle of all of that is really important, which is when you decide what you're really all about. And if you're really all about continuing and perpetuating a fight, then that's what you're going to do. And I came to a point in my own life where I realized that my anger and my aggression and all of that only caused me more problems. And I was no longer about it anymore. I didn't think it was cool anymore. I didn't mm-hmm. think being like that was cool. That was like early, that was like high school and early 20s stuff. I was like, no, no, that's not that cool anymore. And then I realized that I would just have to take responsibility for that. And I would go deal with my stuff before I ever went to the other person. Because when I went to conflict resolve, I didn't want to be festering in my own shit before I ended up getting to them knowing that they were going to sniff that in like two seconds energetically sitting there with me, know that I was totally full of it and mm-hmm. not really present and then just bring that up and just call me out and anything else. And so I would just take some time to go deal with it on my own. Yeah. Go to a park, go, go out in nature, go connect to the tree, go feel the ground again. Like you're all up in your head and the emotions are all going crazy. So just go get grounded, go deal with it, you know, breathe it out, feel it, deal, you know, deal with it and then come back to the person and say, look, now I'm ready to have the conversation. Yeah. You never have to have the conversation, especially around conflict until you're ready. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to get forced into that. That's another reason for more punishment. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. Yeah. Agreed, brother. Agreed.
So rite of passage. Let's do it. Yeah, you want to do right? We put some rite of passage some point, together. I mean, we're talking about it now. It'll take a little while to put together. Sure. But I think I think that was I think that's a good idea, man. I'd love, I'd love and there's you know obviously ayahuasca is one modality that we could add in, but there's a million ways. to There's do a million it. ways to create rite of passage. I think it's just important to know that all you're doing is creating an acute environment that's about transformation. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of ways to create it. It's not a have to harness from these traditions and cultures. What the traditions and cultures were trying to establish and achieve was an outcome, which was going to be important for the collective. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the individual, but for everybody involved. And I think that that's important as part of that para el bien de todos. No doubt. a lot of different places, taking ayahuasca a lot of different places, and um, I got a chance to go to Blue Morpho, so I want to mention that there. I really think you guys are performing at, you know, it's the highest practice of the art that I've been able to be Thank involved you. with, and so I, I really, you know, if you do have that calling, and don't go just because I'm talking about it or Hamilton's talking about it, you have to, like, really have the calling. You have to be drawn to that medicine, and if that medicine's calling to you and drawn to you, you know, I think... Um, you know, I can stand by definitely the work that you're doing there. And I've been to some other, I mean, I've been very fortunate in my path and been to some other, you know, good places as well and, and, uh, and made it through somehow through instinct and a little bit of luck. I've managed to navigate to some pretty good, pretty good places and not get, not get fucked up along the way. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly check that out. But, you know, it starts with little decisions you can make 
all the time by yourself, finding the stillness in whatever way that is. Maybe it's yoga where you're stretching and sweating for an hour and then you get that five minutes of shavasana, that stillness at the end where all the momentum stops after your breath. And maybe it's the float tank and maybe it's a meditation practice or a guided meditation or binaural beats or whatever, whatever method that you want to use, you know, start with that. And then if you're called to the ayah, you're called to the ayah, you know, yeah, I think, the light. yeah. And I think that it's, it's really an acute response, acute in the sense of like, I either have something I'm exploring and I want to get some help on that, or I have a problem I want to fix. Yeah. And that's like, I'm either exploring something or I'm fixing something in ayah. And that's a good way of looking at it. You can also go there in the exploration of just pure experimentation, but you know, it's going to end up changing something in your life. So that's sort of the, you know, the, the ever caveat of ayahuasca is that even if you're just going for exploration, there's going to be some change with it. So you want to be ready for that. Know that it's a deep personal calling. It's deeply personal because you're the one drinking it. Yeah. You're the one having the experience. This is not, you know, Wi-Fi and TV. This is you are plugging in deep in a very, very real way. And we have over the years really tried to evolve and, and perfect our, uh, our style to really meet all of the needs of the people that come to us. And we just continue to look for greater safety and, and clearer ways of practicing and being willing, even with the traditional shamans we worked with, a willingness to continue to evolve and grow so that we weren't just held in the, the, the old natures of the tradition. And I think the key element that really changed it all is when our focus shifted, because in the traditions, they're focusing on this thing called spirit. And I think spirit's a little harder for people from the West to grasp. And when we shifted our focus to consciousness and the evolution of consciousness as the means of healing and the means of growth, it really started to gel together a whole style and practice that, that everybody could really relate to and respond to that would yeah. come to us. And it was much, uh, much, much safer, which I think was the keyest element to it, to get as much of the wily unknowns out of the practices themselves so that we know as we explore the unknown the unknown is going to have a, a positive message and a positive outcome for us. I think when we, when we approach that unknown, we want that unknown going to it, at least to be like, you know, forgiving or loving or, or yeah. benevolent, make it know. sweet, make it sweet, make it benevolent, make it. There's kind. enough, there's enough fear in there. I mean, you're going to have to tackle your fears of your own mortality and all of these things. There's enough fear in there. Don't pile it on, you know, no fucking need. There's no plenty. need. There's plenty. There's plenty. And I, I also like that idea of minimum necessary dose. Yeah. You know, just enough to get you in, get you into the experience. It's not about blowing it out. I drank five cups, bro. I drank five. Fuck. Okay. Why? Okay. Yeah, exactly. You. Like, did I mean, you need it? Did you yeah. need five cups? Good did job. five cups really, I mean, was that necessary? You got to think of your body and your cells too. What I like about minimum necessary dose is that it's also a recognition to the potency of the chemicals that are involved. It's a potency of what you're actually putting in to create the transformation inside of yourself. And I like the idea of, of needing less. Yeah. Right? The better off I am, the less I need. And so I start with whatever the minimum I need today is. And over time, we can see it trending to less and less and less. And you know, things are just going to be getting better. Elegant. Elegant. I like it. Elegance key. Yeah. And, you know, and there's other medicines too. I mean, I still really highly recommend, uh, you know, the Wachuma experience is practiced by, you know, my old friend Gandalf, Don Howard, 
You know, yeah. I think that's a that's a beautiful medicine and a beautiful art. And you know, there's go to a, one of these legal states where marijuana is legal and get it. You know, just start with ten milligrams. You don't need to go crazy. Eat some eat some good weed. You know, ten milligrams is fine. We're not Joey Diaz. We don't need a two hundred milligram chew. We're not trying to fucking. We're not trying to go there. You know, yeah, it's like just like yeah, check it out. See what's going on with your body. See what happens to your thoughts. You know, do that. Hop in a float tank and see where you go. Do that before you get a massage and connect with your body and the sinews or grab a fucking lacrosse ball and just try to sort stuff out. Get to know ourselves a little better, you know? Absolutely. I think that self-exploration is key. You know, legal states where where cannabis is now legal is just incredible because it gives you a very controllable, very simple way of having an altered experience that's new and put some intention behind it. Mm -hmm. Don't just... Don't just go just to be high. Go to be high and figure something out too. Go to yep. be high and answer a question. And I live in Colorado, and I, I think it's fantastic. I, think it's just such a <laughs> I know you place. do, brother. <laughs> such a beautiful place, and it's it's such a, a beautiful lifestyle to be able to know that you have instant connection around you, and all it takes is a little heart, a little connection, and a little cannabis, and. Well, one of the nice. one of the fond associations I have of going to visit you in Colorado is the that smell of burning Girl Scout cookies. There's there's <laughs> good. There's uh, I mean there are there are many dispensaries. Now. Yeah, and there Girl Scout many. cookies are not actual cookies. <laughs> it is a very fragrant and sweet smelling marijuana. Absolutely, absolutely, and we can explore. You know, we can explore. Exploration does not lead to addiction. Yeah. You know, not dealing with the problems inside of us as we explore leads to addiction. No doubt. No doubt. You know, so let's let's know that. Let's know that the exploration is what it's about and what we're finding is what it's really about and the integrating of what we're finding. And I just want to put it out there that, you know, we are we're just finishing up now the creation of an integration package for peak experience and sacred plants. BlueMorphoFoundation.org and BlueMorphoTours.com. The integration yeah. package is going to be through BlueMorphoTours. And this, uh, this idea is that it's not just about sacred plants, it's about anything. If you go off and do a meditation retreat, like 10 days, 15 days, silent meditation, you've never done anything like that before, and you come home and it is just like all this change is happening and I don't know how to integrate this, we're creating everything that we need for that because we've recognized that integration is where the real lasting change comes from. We want this evolution in our lives. We want it to be consistent over time, not up, down, up, down. Like, no, I'm learning and getting better, learning and growing and optimizing. And so this idea of integration is really coming forward and I think it's key. And so this could be used for really any of the substances that are out there and any of the peak experiences that anybody might be having some, uh, some desire to integrate. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a real gift. It's going to answer a, 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 a a need that's within this whole exploration and this whole movement and consciousness. Yeah. No doubt, brother. Well, I appreciate you. I mean, it's been a fucking, I feel like I've known you for a lot longer than what is it? Like nine months. I don't know. Yeah. I don't it's been a good know. ride. It's man. been a hell it's been of a, a good ride. ride. We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You know, and it's not just about plants. There's been a lot of other kinds of fun, wake surfing, hiking, whatever. Like, no like doubt. there's, there's, there's other fun out there than just this too. It's like, be open to all of it and, and make it fun. If it's not fun, why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. Agreed. I'm done perfect, suffering. Perfect, perfect enjoyment. Yeah. Are you done suffering? I'm done. All right. I'm done. Let's do it. Let's call it. <laughs> Thank you so much, people. Much love. When gravity pulls us deep to the flesh, we have to remember to keep feeling all the way in.
not just like like riding a lion, it's like asking the lion at the same time to let you in the roar. Yeah, monkey, monkey, monkey.